You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. Um, my first experience with racial tension happened when I was five years old. Um, my brother was in college and uh, kind of gives you an idea how old he is. Uh, but uh, my parents and I went to go visit him at his school and we got there and my brother took me on a tour of the campus and introduced me to all the people, you know, that he was friends with and whatnot. And I think he was using my five-year-old cuteness to attract the ladies, which I was totally fine with because he needed all the help he could get, let's <laughs> just be honest. And so um, we uh, were walking around, we're talking to people, and then we come to one of Todd's uh, African-American friends named Avery. And uh, Avery uh, came up and said, hey, Todd introduced him to me. And uh, he stuck his hand out to shake my hand. And I stuck my hand out to shake his hand. And so we shook hands. And then when I pulled my hand back, I looked at the palm of my hand. And he laughed and he said, man, don't little, wor- don't little worry, man. It ain't going to rub off on you. Meaning my black skin is not going to rub off on you. And immediately I'm embarrassed My brother is awkwardly laughing, you know, worried, tension in the moment, and we concluded that that moment, and and he left. To to then my brother looked at me and said, what are you doing, you know? It's like, what are you doing? You're killing me. And uh, so, so what I didn't tell you was that Avery had just walked out of the gym, and he'd been playing basketball, so he was covered in sweat. And so when, when I'm shaking his hand, I wasn't worried about his skin color. When I pulled my hand back, I was worried about all the sweat that was rubbed all over my hand. And so, so I tell that story because that was my first experience with like this racial tension, awkwardness with, with you know, uh, our diversity. And I think that it's a good example of how when we talk about race in America, we as white people are, tend to be misunderstood and we misunderstand and it can be awkward and it can be tense and it can be uncomfortable when we talk about race in America. And so what I want to point out to you today is that just because it is difficult, just because it is complex, just because there, there can be some awkwardness and some misunderstandings and some offenses that, that, that happen when we have a conversation with somebody from a different race, it doesn't mean that we should not embrace that conversation. In fact, I think that as the people of God, we have to be the first one to walk into that conversation. We've gotta lead the charge on having a healthy, productive conversation with people who are of another race, because I think it is a gospel issue. Certainly racism is one of the biggest social issues that we face in America today, but I would argue that it is much bigger than a social issue. As the people of God, this is a gospel issue. And even though it can create an uncomfortable environment, it must be addressed. And as followers of Jesus, we want to be equipped to think and to speak on these matters from a biblical perspective, not from an emotional response place in our heart. Racism is a huge social issue, but before that, it is a gospel issue that you and I as followers of Jesus have to care about. 
Now, you don't have to look far or you don't have to look hard to find examples of racism in America. You've got all the things that happened in Charlottesville and the protests that followed. Uh, recently, you've seen protests against the Confederate flag and Confederate statues. You're, we're seeing NFL players take a knee during the national anthem. So it's everywhere and it's prevalent. And so what do we do as followers of Jesus? How do we, how do we engage this conversation? How do we think about this issue from a biblical perspective, from a mature perspective as a follower of Christ. Now, I will just say my opinion as far as the national anthem is that, that we should stand and honor the flag and stand and honor uh, our national anthem. That's my opinion. I, I look at what's happening and, and, and I feel like um, that the, the, the kneeling of, you know, all of the protesters at this time hasn't helped us engage the real problem. It's just sparked a new issue, and, and that's, that, that tends to be what everybody focuses on now. And so, so I would, I'm, I'm the guy that's going to stand, and I'm the guy that's, that's always going to honor the flag. I believe that our country is the greatest country in the world. I've traveled enough around the world to, to see that firsthand. We have a lot of issues. We have a lot of problems, including racism in America. We have a long way to go. Uh, but I still believe we're the greatest country, and, and I believe God's blessing has brought us to that place. But I'm the guy that stands up. I'm the guy that gets a little teary-eyed when, when the Lee Greenwood song plays, right, at the, at the football game. I'm that guy, you know, because I love it, and I well up, you know, within that. But at the same time, I, I want to challenge you today as your pastor. I want to challenge you um, recognizing that a majority of the people in attendance here, I know some people are watching online or maybe podcasting this later on, but the majority of the people in this room are white people from the suburbs slash the country. And so we have a unique role, I think, to play, and we have a unique part as followers of Christ to engage this conversation. And so today might uh, cause you to feel uncomfortable. Today might be challenging but I think it's huge. And, and so I want to first say this. So with all the protests and all the things that, that happen, you do realize, I know you guys are smart, you don't get this, uh, you, you don't have a problem with this, but we've got to help other people realize that when the media, you know, portrays, you know, some group that is protesting or, or certain people to talk about these issues, they always go after the extreme example, right? You get that. They go after the extreme protester, the extreme far, you know, to, to, to the whatever side person to try to arouse emotional responses from people, right? And so you, we're not fooled by that. We recognize that this is their MO. This is how they get more ratings. This is how they draw us in. And so, so we have to not, not get sucked into the protest, we have to, 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 to step back and realize and, and, and get past the protest so that we can process the problem. And that's what I want to invite you into the room today and, and, and kind of begin to sit down in the place that I've been sitting in uh, for the last several days as I've thought about this message, that I want to get past the protest and I want to process the problems. You've got protest here, you've got protest here, people, you know, expressing their First Amendment right, right to free speech. We want to honor that right. I may not agree with it, just like I may not agree with the, you know, what the, the, the president might say, because, because I don't think some of that is helpful either, right? And so, but we have a First Amendment right to free speech. And so as a follower of Jesus, I want to champion that right, because my First Amendment right, as time progresses, 
seems to get less and less important as a, a, a follower of Christ, right? So we want to champion that, even though we may not agree with it. And I want to I kind of clear the path here so that we can begin to, to process the real problem, get past some of the protests. And so I hope that your spirit would kind of be invited into that, that area because it doesn't matter what your side of the issue is. Some people, if you take a knee, then you're disrespecting the flag and, and have you. And then the other side is it's not about disrespecting the flag. It's about raising awareness to the social injustices. And so we've got these two sides. We've got protests. But can we just wipe the, the, the table clean today and just focus on what the real problem is? Because I, I believe the real problem is that we do have a racial issue in America. And we as the church need to care about this. And we as the church can't oversimplify the issue and just pretend like, man, they just, you know, black people just need to get over it. Slavery's over. I don't agree with slavery. I don't have slaves. They just need to move on. It's a very insensitive, bigoted way to think, right? So we can't oversimplify it. This is a, an extremely complex issue. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of emotions. Quite frankly, there's a lot of things that white people say and do that are offensive, and we don't even know it. And then there's the other side to where we're so afraid to offend that we don't say anything, which is offensive as well. And so, man, you kind of get stuck, don't you? You're just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Well, I want to help us today, and, and I want to remind us what the gospel teaches us. Isaiah 1:17, God says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. This is, this is what it looks like to be a child of God. This is what it looks like to be a follower of God of Jesus, that we are learning to do good. We don't have it figured out. I certainly don't have it figured out. I certainly, you know, when it comes to racism and and, and understanding this, I've got an incredibly long way to go. But the Bible says to seek justice, to correct oppression. And so if my African-American brothers and sisters are experiencing oppression and they are hurting and they are seeking to, to communicate that hurt and communicate that pain and communicate those issues, then as a follower of Jesus who wants to, you know, seek justice and correct oppression, then I am obligated to care about this. So as the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we've got to be empathetic and, and, and we have to understand that we have to engage this conversation and in fact lead the way. Racism seeks to dehumanize and belittle and oppress image bearers of God. So we understand that. I, I, I know that you, you're, you're here. And so as, uh, as someone who is created in the image of God, all humanity, Scripture is very clear. That means that we have intrinsic value and worth. That means that we are created in the image of God. That means the unborn is created in the image of God. And that means Latino, white, Asian, African-American, whatever, no matter who we are, we are created in the image of God, equal of worth and value. And so anything to dehumanize or belittle or oppress someone based upon the color of their skin or their ethnicity is racism. And so I, I do realize that the problem transcends just a white-black issue. 
So this is not just white and black. We, we get that. This is dehumanizing, you know, either it's the unborn or it might be another race or, or whatever. But because of where we're at today, my focus and my examples are going to really kind of lean towards the white-black issue. But when you look at it biblically, biblically speaking, racial division is about otherness. So that when you look at somebody other than your group, other than what you are like, other than your crowd, and you belittle them, you oppress them, or listen to this, you turn your head away from the oppression. In other words, you don't engage or care or do anything. You don't seek, to, to, you don't seek justice in that issue. So, so whether you're, you're engaged in the oppression or if you just kind of turn your head to it and don't do anything about it, you are guilty of the sin of racism. And so this otherness is fleshed out in the Bible as it relates to Jew and Gentile. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 11. Uh, if you are not a Jew today, you're a Gentile. So you should care about chapter 10 and chapter 11 of Acts because it changes everything for you, changes everything for me. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to really part one of this sermon and, and, and get caught up to where we're at. But, but we focused on the evangelistic side of, of, of Peter teaching the gospel to these Gentiles. But now I wanna focus on what is really at stake here and what really has taken place. So let me catch you up, kind of a short version. There's a guy by the name of Cornelius and he is a Gentile. And because he is a Gentile, that meant that Jews did not associate with him. There was a prejudice, there was a racism, we are better than you mentality. And a lot of it had to do with their food laws and food diets. They weren't allowed to eat certain things and people who ate those certain foods like pig um, and, and bacon, then, then they were seen as unclean and they were not to be associated with. They were not allowed to go eat with them or hang out with them. And so this divide existed. Cornelius has a vision from God. He doesn't know Jesus, but he, you know, he's, a, he's a guy that believed in his country and he believed in, in a God. And, and God reaches out to him through his grace and he, and he gives him a vision. He says, you need to go seek out a guy by the name of Peter. So he sends two guys to go get Peter. And, and so Peter is at, the, at a house. He goes up on the roof to pray. And as he is, is praying, he gets hungry. He asks people to make him some food. And so while he's sitting there, he sees a vision from heaven. And it's of a sheet with all these different kinds of animals on it. Clean animals and unclean animals. And the voice from heaven says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Satisfy your hunger. And Peter says, what? No way. I've never eaten anything unclean. I'm never going to do that. And the voice from heaven told him three different times to rise and kill and eat. And so therefore, abolishing this divide between what is okay to eat and not okay to eat. Bacon is for everybody. Praise Jesus, right? We talked about it last week. But then secondly here, we're seeing as it relates to humanity, Jew, Gentile, the relationship has changed. And so if you've got your Bibles, verse 28 of chapter 10 Peter goes to this house. It's a, it's a house filled with Gentiles. And he is breaking the law of Moses by even showing up at the house. And he says this. He says to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has chosen me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now appreciate the tension and awkwardness of the moment. So, so just imagine a white guy showing up to a house filled with African-Americans and saying, you guys know it's against God's law for me to even associate with you. But God has told me not to call any black person unclean. 
Imagine starting the conversation out like that. <laughs> a little tension in the room. Who's this guy think he is, right? I mean, he's lucky he didn't get beat down, right? I mean, he starts the conversation like this, and God is, he's, he's trying to explain that, okay, God is telling me not to call any person common or unclean. Therefore, the divide, the tradition of looking at you as if you are different or not as good so that we can oppress you or not invite you and you're not as blessed as us, that mentality, that prejudice is now being eradicated. And so in verses uh, in, uh, 1 through 4 here of chapter 11, we pick up on the story because what's happening here is the news of what Peter does travels fast to Jerusalem. And so in verse 1, it says this, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. The Gentiles received the word of God. This was freaking them out. Verse 2, So Peter went up to Jerusalem. The circumcision party, this, were, this was the Jews who were followers of Jesus, criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained it to them in order. And so the next part of chapter 11 is the vision. He just recaps the vision that we've read and that I've already shared today. And, and so what we're seeing here is news has traveled fast. Peter hung out with Gentiles and, and he taught them the word of God. And they are, they're criticizing him. They're, they're mad. Now, why are they mad? Well, because First of all, Peter broke the law of Moses by associating with Gentiles. And then they came to faith. He didn't circumcise them. And he did not tell them that they had to follow the law of Moses. So their traditions are being rocked right now. You know what traditions do to us, right? Traditions is that we've never done it that way before mentality. Well, we've never done it that way before, Peter. And because we've never done it that way, it doesn't matter if it's biblical or unbiblical because we've never done it that way before. It prevents us sometimes from obeying God, right? You, you think back into the history of America, Jim Crow laws segregating white and black. You had white Southern Baptist preachers teaching from the word of God, teaching that segregation was, was right and godly, right? And you think back to those days and you think, what? Did it skip over like these chapters that we read? And how, how would they think that way? And, and then, you know, a couple weeks ago, we, we read about a, a guy named Saul. He was killing Christians. And as he's killing Christians, he thinks he is doing what God wants him to do. He meets Jesus and he realizes, oh my goodness, I've been fighting God. Same for, you know, white Americans back in the day as, as they are, as they are not even back in the day, but even today, maybe promoting this idea, thinking maybe they're doing something for God, but essentially they are fighting against the will of God. You do not want to fight against the will of God. Tradition says we've never done it that way. Statistically, they say that Sunday mornings is the most segregated hour of the week in America. And so, so we see that it's still an issue. It's still very much an issue today that, that we have to understand. These Jews are criticizing Peter for, for crossing these barriers. And some of you have maybe crossed these barriers and, and, and the tradition of America has criticized you. White people marrying black people, can you believe it? Shaking your head, right? Traditionally, that was unheard of and, and even taught from the Bible that that was wrong. Nowhere in the Bible is that an issue. Right, and so 
tradition really wells up inside of us. And so much of American culture and American tradition becomes our soapbox instead of what the Bible says, instead of what the gospel teaches us. So this is, in fact, a gospel issue. So, so if we're going to do anything to move the needle as far as racial reconciliation in America, then I want to give you three points this morning that, that I hope are challenging. And the first one is this. Be on guard against your natural tendency to be with people that are like you. We all have this natural tendency to want to hang out with people who look like us, act like us, eat like us, talk like us have an understanding and worldview like us. And when we do that, we limit ourselves to, to the, the advancement of the gospel, and it limits our relationships so that we don't move the needle at all in this country as it relates to the racial issues that we face. Now, some of you might say, what's wrong with hanging out with people that are like me? And I'm not saying anything is wrong with that, but I am saying if all you do is hang out with white people who are just like you and watch a certain news station, then you're going to have a specific narrative about the racial issues in America. And it will make you insensitive at best and at worst, potentially anti-Jesus, anti-gospel. And to that, we need to pump the brakes and realize if all I'm doing is talking to other white people about racial problems in America, I need to, I need to recognize right now that I'm, I'm not helping the problem. In fact, I could be part of the problem. And so my encouragement for you today is to recognize that tendency in all of us. It is there. It is just there. And, 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 and so if we're going to make a difference and really capture the essence of this as a gospel issue, then we're going to extend an invitation to, to have somebody who doesn't look like us over to our house. We're going to extend an, an invitation to someone from a different culture to go eat lunch with or to have coffee with or to engage in conversation with. Let me make it really clear today, okay, crystal clear. All you white people need black friends. That's just the reality. If you are not talking to African Americans about these issues, you're not helping the issue. You're, you're, you're not... You're not con- you, there's no evidence that you're even concerned about the issue. And so take that for what it's worth today. It's not necessarily wrong to hang out with people like you, but if this is a gospel issue, if God does care about our brothers and sisters who happen to be black or immigrants or Latino, and they are hurting, and we as the church aren't doing anything about it, we are not seeking justice and fighting against oppression I'm not saying we're going to solve all the problems today. We're not going to protest today. When I say the church, I mean the people. If you've been to base camp, you know this. We say the church, we think a building, an organization. But the church is made up of people. And so you are the church. You are the people of God. And you've got to start having conversations with people who are not like you so that you can begin to understand what does it feel like to be you What do you think about this? Not to get your point across, not to get your side of the story told or to be understood, but that you are simply seeking to understand where somebody else is coming from. Secondly, we've got to seek to understand the other side. The Jews are mad. The Jews are upset. They hear and listen to Peter's side of the story. Up until that point, the only thing that they've heard 
is the, is the narrative told by who? Other Jewish people. And if all they were gonna do is listen to this story and narrative about what happened through the lens of other Jewish people, well, then they were always going to be riled up and they're always gonna fight about what God is doing and what Peter did. But they sit and they listen and they hear him out. So turn the page maybe in your Bible. We're looking at verses 17 through 18 of the same chapter, chapter 11. They hear the whole story. The Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles as Peter preaches. Remember last week, the Spirit comes. They speak in tongues, evidence of the Spirit of God. They put their faith in Jesus and Peter baptizes them. All this happens before Peter even finished. Verse 17, and then it says this, if then God gave the same gift as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, Peter says, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. That one verse is so powerful and life-changing and some of you have never even read it. That meant that for you and me, the blessing and grace of God through Jesus Christ is offered to you and it is offered to me as Gentiles. Right? And so this is huge. Peter's crossing all these divides, all these racial tensions, and he says, who was I to stand in the way of God? Now Jesus prays that his church would be one. Remember in the garden before he's arrested, he's praying his heart out to God. God, Father, may my people be one so that the world will know that you have sent me. So the world's gonna know that God sent Jesus and that God loves them and has given them the gift of Jesus. How? Through the church being united. And now we've got segregated churches all over our nation. So, so I get it, I get it, I get it. Like in our culture, you know, the majority in this city is white. And so the church is gonna reflect the community around it. I get that, but, but here's the reality. Like if we are not seeking to build unity amongst the church, and the church, again, it's not a building, it, it, it's people. And we, we've got people from all cultures that are followers of Jesus. And if we're not uniting with them and caring about the oppression and the injustices, if we're not even engaging that conversation, then we are turning a blind eye to it. And for me, that breaks my heart. I know it breaks the heart of God. So I would say, who would stand in the way of God, what God wants? And if you're not helping, then potentially you're hurting. We don't want to stand in his way. We know he wants unity. We know that he wants us to, to seek unity together. So again, get rid of all the protest and get rid of all the emotionalism and, and all the extreme examples and begin to have conversations with your neighbor, with people that you work with that are from different parts of the world that look different than you. And just ask them, man, how, how does it feel to be you? You know, what can I do to help? And even that one conversation, it may, it may not change the world, but it will change the world of that one person if that's an authentic, genuine, heartfelt conversation and you're seeking unity. We've got to seek to understand the other side. And then finally, number three, you and I as followers of Christ have to confront racism when we see it. We have to confront racism when we see it. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, because here's what's interesting. 
Peter's eating a bacon sandwich, hanging out with all the Gentiles in Acts 11. <laughs> Fast forward, you know, a few months, and those racial prejudices in his own heart start rearing its ugly head again in his own life. Look at Galatians 2, beginning in verse 11. Paul shows up to the church. He sees what Peter and all his friends are doing, and so he says this. But when Cephas, Peter, that's his, that's his uh, name, Cephas came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. Can you believe that? He was eating bacon sandwiches with the Gentiles. But then when they came, he drew back and he segregated himself away from them. He separated himself, fearing the circumcision parting. Those are the Jews who were followers of Christ. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically. So they were hypocrites because they separated themselves from this group of people. They thought they were better. They were, they were simply, you know, racist against this other crowd. So the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas, it's almost like even my boy Barnabas, he got sucked in. Barnabas is a good dude. He's a great, he's called the son of encouragement. He did some great, awesome things for the, for the early church, but even he got sucked into this mentality. It just shows you how easy it is for good, seemingly good people to get sucked in to the sin of racism. And he was led astray by their hypocrisy. I love it, verse 14. But when I saw that, I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? I love it. You see what he's saying there? In front of everybody, you are not in step with the truth of the gospel. When you see racism happening at work, when you see oppression happening in the grocery store, when you see oppression happening on the news, wherever we see it, you should speak to it. And I love what Peter, I mean, Paul does. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't yell. He doesn't hashtag. <laughs> he just asks a good question. He says, how, how can you who say, you know, you're not a Jew, like you're not following the Jewish laws, but, but you're saying because they don't, they're not good enough. He just asks a really good question, you know. How can you say you're a follower of Jesus and that the gospel it's to be proclaimed to all nations, and yet you're being racist or you're, you're turning a blind eye to this situation. See, I think if we would ask questions to one another when we see oppression taking place, we'd begin to see a change. So it is up to you. It is up to me. We, we've, we've got to confront it when we experience it. And we've got to be willing to take that step. And we don't want to get caught up in the hashtag activism and get all emotional and, and blurt out all these insensitive, really dumb, ignorant things that we say, unbiblical, anti-gospel attitudes, and instead start having conversations with African Americans and begin relationships so that we can begin to care about what they are experiencing to begin to build up affections for one another and unity in the gospel with each other so that, yeah, we can slowly begin to move the needle of racism in America. I want to close today 
by having a conversation. And so would you please welcome to the stage a couple of my friends, Blake and uh, Brittany Hester. Guys, thank you for coming out today and having this conversation in front of everybody. I know it's uh, a little bit tense and a little awkward when when you seek to do this, but thank you guys. I I, I so appreciate it. Now, Brittany, you teach high school English Mm -hmm. at West, and um, Blake, you're part-time on staff in the worship ministry here, and you're also part of an organization and uh, as an executive. And what's the name of the organization? It's um, Our Daily Bread of Tennessee. Yeah, and so that's awesome. And so I uh, appreciate you guys coming and, and just want to start the conversation today by, by asking and, and helping everybody here understand kind of where you guys are coming from. And so the first question is just simply, uh, I'll start with you, Blake. Like, over the last few months, you've got Charlottesville, you've got Taking a Knee, you've got Confederate flag stuff. I mean, what's it like to be an African-American man in America with all this stuff going on around you? Yeah, so um, I guess just with all of what's been going on, um, you're, it just, it's just a quick reminder for like minorities in general that, that racism does still exist, um, even if it's not uh, part of your life or, or, or in your circle. Just know that the, there, it, it's out there, um, racism, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing, but it's just a reminder, you know, this always, especially on social media, um, for two, two, three months goes by, everything's good, but then something like this happens, and it's just brought up again over and over. And so it's, yeah. it's a good reminder of that. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, what would you say, Brittany? I agree. It, it's a reminder that racism still exists, and it's also a reminder for me to extend a lot more patience and grace to people um, because a lot of people are taking sides one way or another, not because they actually understand an issue, but because maybe their friend takes a side mm. or their family takes a side, and they don't even really know what's going on, but they want their voice to be heard. So I have to extend a lot more patience and grace to people um, as they might say things or do things that offend me mm. and offend other people and offend people I care about. Yeah, well, that's, that's extremely helpful to hear. So <clears throat> like one of the things we've talked about is um, talking with people from different races and those kind of things. And so is that something that you encourage, Blake? Is that something that you like or is that something that is, you, know, you don't like uh, when it comes to these issues? Yeah, no, um, for me personally, I, I strongly encourage it. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a touchy subject, and you do need to be careful about, you know, how you're asking stuff, but, but it, it's important because I know, I know for me even, when sometimes people ask me certain questions, automatically I have an auto, like automatic wall that kind of comes up. Mm. Um, but I, I quickly remind myself, okay, I need to bring it down because it's important. Like any awkward conversation you have to have with with another person or a child something like that it's an it's an awkward conversation but it's one that i think needs to be discussed and, and it's worth it ultimately yeah it's worth it, it helps it, it ultimately helps the situation and and um, helps better understand on both sides yeah what would you add to that Britt? Um, I would add that it it is encouraging to have those conversations and it's as uncomfortable for you as it is for me because I get very uncomfortable um, when people want to talk to me about race. It's, It's one of those things where I'm already defensive when someone approaches me and they're like, so let's, let's talk about racism. My first thought is, oh gosh, here we go. And you know, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's because it's an uncomfortable topic. Yeah. Um, and just because it's uncomfortable or I'm afraid or fearful or you're afraid doesn't mean that it needs to not happen. It just means that it needs to happen even more. 
Yeah. And so that's something that, you know, whether you're uncomfortable or not, you need to have the conversations about the things that are relevant today. And this is very relevant in our society. Yeah, no doubt. So, Blake, back to you. So <clears throat> say, you know, uh, you can look back at the last, you know, however many months it's been, or maybe it's going to happen in the future. Like you see a, a black guy get shot um, by a police officer or something like that. When, when you see that, when you see, you know, the white kid that went into the African-American church and shot people, when you see that on the news and like it comes on your Twitter feed, what is your, what's your emotional response at that point? Um, for me, um, it, you know, a little bit of fear, but mainly it's just, um, it's a, kind of like a, a little frustration for, for me because it's just kind of like, man, um, again, it's just, it's just another big reminder and, and, and it, it breaks my heart because it just, um, I kind of show, I kind of, I don't, I don't have a lot of hatred or I'm like, oh man, I don't like that guy. It, for me, it's more of like, man, I, I feel so sorry that he's taught that because it's not, you're not born being racist. It's taught in mm. some kind of way. And so I, it just makes me wish like, man, you miss so much if you, if you don't um, have other friends, like other white friends, African-American friends, like maybe my friends are, are mainly white, but for me, I don't think about that. Mm. I don't think about it at all. Um, the only time I think about race is if it's brought up to me. Mm. Um, so for me, I, I just, it's just frustration and, again, some compassion for me. Yeah. Brittany, what's your response? Um, my response is, is a lot of fear, um, anger, like quick bursts of anger and, and deep brokenheartedness. I remember uh, being in a college class at UT when um, the guy went into the church and mm. shot up that black church. And I remember being released from class early and sitting on the steps outside of the mini auditorium and crying mm. because I couldn't help thinking, if you can't even go to church, mm. like where are you supposed to go? Like I, as a black person, where can I go to be safe if I can't be in church worshiping mm. God? And then hearing about, um, you know, a couple months ago, there was a KK rally in Knoxville and, and being afraid to go to work because I would run into people who would attack me, um, use racial slurs against me, students who maybe their parents went and they didn't really understand what was going on. And so they said really inappropriate things. And then hearing um, just last night, about two weeks ago, there was a biracial child who was essentially lynched by mm. bullies wow. for being biracial. And just my heart breaks for the fact that there's people in our community who think racism doesn't exist mm. and it's not real. And, and it's just anger and frustration and, and fear and sadness. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it is a reminder of how the, the media does manipulate our, our way of, of thinking about the issue and, and the way that we deal with it. And so it's helpful to hear that. Um, what, are, what would you hope that, you know, a white mom and dad in the crowd today would begin to, to teach their, their kids about these issues that we're talking about? Blake, I'll start with you. So um, I, I think one important thing that needs to be taught is when you teach a child about different race and racism, is teaching them that um, it doesn't matter what color you are, if you're white or black, it doesn't mean if you're this color, then you're better than this person. I think, and, and you also shouldn't treat it like, um, like, each, like each race, you should, how do you say this? I guess you, you shouldn't, you should see it all in gray, I guess. You should fully embrace 
race. Like, race, I'm black, you're white. Yeah. I think you should embrace it. Actually, I don't think you should say, you should be colorblind because then um, you're not really celebrating that person's race in, in, in I guess, recognizing it. Because I have different hair, you know? Um, but I'm not gonna get offended if, if someone goes to me and said, said, hey, your hair is different. You know, <laughs> how's your hair feel, whatever. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't advise you to go up to do my hair and start cutting <laughs> I mean, there's a line between being normal and just awkward, and that's like, it's right there. It's <laughs> crossing the line. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that's great. That's Brittany, what would you say? <clears throat> I agree. I would say um, tell your kids to celebrate diversity. Uh, one of my roles for my classroom is to respect each other's diversity, but, but as parents, you need to teach your kids to celebrate it. Um, like Blake said, God made us different for a reason. It's not like we all have to be one specific thing to do God's work. There's a reason why um, you're the way you are and I'm the way I am and one of the things that I am is black. And I'm confident with that and I'm comfortable with that. And you should teach your kids to respect the fact that people are different. And you know, like Blake said, it's not a matter of colorblindness. Like you don't wanna tell someone that you don't see their race because that's how God made me. Like God made me to be a strong black woman and I celebrate that. Mm. And your kids should celebrate that. Just like I'll celebrate if your kid is tall, athletic and plays basketball. I can't do that. And that's great that your kid can. One of the best conversations that I've had with a parent um, was about this toddler who was just asking a bunch of questions about me. And his first question was, why are you brown? <laughs> and I got to tell him, God made me this way. And he said, oh, and his next question was, are you brown everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> and his mom was so embarrassed and apologized <laughs> to me and told him, you don't say that to people. And, and I got to share with her that, no, that's, that's a great question. Yeah. Like kids ask questions and we should encourage them to seek to understand what makes us all different so they can celebrate our differences. Yeah, no doubt. And I think parents, like we teach our kids what's acceptable to talk about and not to talk about when we respond to those things that surprise us like that, whether it's about sex or something that's uncomfortable for us, and especially on, you know, topics of, of different race, like your reaction could really teach them you're not supposed to talk about it. So if you're like, shut up, shut up, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, I just taught my, my four-year-old that I can't talk about this. Mom and dad are not a safe place to come to as it relates to race. And I was telling you guys about like when my, one of my kids um, mentioned to some, an African-American that he, he said, why are you black? And I remember my response inside was immediately, <laughs> you know, and so I was, I'm just, you know, I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that those conversations do come up so that I can say, okay, so here's how we deal with this and here's why we talk about it and he is different and she's different and, and I'm different and you're different and, and, and these, are, these are positive, helpful things. So I love hearing you guys say, you know, colorblind, don't be colorblind, Re really see and, 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 and celebrate that. So, so what would you guys say to... Um, you know, what are some things that continue to discourage you? And then let's close with what are some things that are giving you, you hope? So let's start with the discouraging things that you're still seeing right now. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, my, my big thing that, that discourages me the most is, um, you know, social, social media has created this kind of platform. It's like speak your opinion, mm. say what you want kind of thing. And when it comes to certain situations like that or Black Lives Matter, whatever it is, um, 
a lot of people just voice their opinion and, and just saying stuff. I believe this, that, 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 yada, yada, yada. But I think it would help if, if, if both sides, not just one side, both sides here, there's not, there's not a right person in the situation, but both sides need to stop and really listen to each other. That's good. Um, and actually listen, because if, if you look, no one's really listening. They're just speaking their opinion. Yeah saying, how dare you do this, you should do that, how dare you, and the other side saying, oh, whatever, you think better, whatever. But I think say, okay, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Why, why are you taking a knee on, on the field, whatever? And we actually listen to each other. Maybe we'll just understand because there's a lot of misunderstanding and yeah. everyone's trying to just find, find out and figure out what it is by themselves. So I think it's a really good thing if, if we would all just listen. Yeah. I think I would, that would be a tremendous step. What are some other things that are discouraging you, Brittany? What really discourages me, just to tag on to what Blake said, is the fact that people just aren't listening. Mm. You know, people are waiting, they're thinking about what they want to say while you're in the middle of talking. They don't listen to you. Mm. They're just waiting for the two seconds when you pause to insert whatever they think to tell you that you're wrong and they're right. Because we live in a society that, like, that just elevates this sense of like meanness and, and I am better than you. And that's so discouraging for me to know that, um, you know, for whatever reason, you may think that you are better than me because I am black. And it, it goes all the way down to what we see on the media. It goes down to the fact that um, there's not minority Disney princesses and the ones that they are, people will refute with, well, they're not real Disney princesses. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that there is a study done about Barbie dolls and that when white and black kids had to pick a doll, white or black, they all picked white because they thought the white Barbie doll was prettier. The mm -hmm. fact that we don't have a lot of um, TV shows that integrate all cultures and when they do um, a lot of them think of it as like a stereotypical black show or like this new show so it, it's disheartening because I know that there's kids out there like me mm. who struggle with their identity and whenever we don't listen to each other to talk about these issues you have kids that struggle like I did with well I don't wanna be black, I wanna be white because everybody else is white and white is the good thing to be and no one wants to talk and celebrate being black so I should be white. Mm. You know, and it takes years to really have pride in the fact that God made you who you are. Yeah. And so seeing people not listening to each other and not having conversations is so disheartening. Yeah, well, and you mentioned kids there. Um, so what are the, some of the things that are hopeful? And you've talked about this, and I'd love for them to hear your thoughts on what, what does give you hope as a teacher. Yeah, it, it gives me hope to hear my students mm. have these conversations. And they're craving these conversations. They want to talk about race. Mm. It's really uncomfortable for me as their teacher to try and mediate these conversations. But they want to talk about the fact that not everyone in the class speaks English as their first language. Hmm. They wanna talk about the fact that some of our class is white, some of our class is black. One of our, our classmates is um, a foreign exchange student from Brazil and they wanna have these conversations and they're dying and craving to have them. Hmm. And it's so encouraging to know our kids want to talk about race. Wow. Well, if nothing else is eye-opening, that statement right there is eye-opening, hopefully to all the parents and grandparents in the room, that if our kids are hungry to have these conversations, I think it's an indictment upon us if we're not having them effectively and, and regularly with them. 
And so with that, guys, I, I appreciate you guys so much for coming up here and having this conversation. Would you thank them for spending this time? Thank you, guys. I want to just ask you guys to, to bow your heads now. And, and um, man, hearing these things and being challenged with this, uh, perhaps the Lord has sparked in your own heart this, this little attitude or, or maybe this deep-rooted uh, mentality that um, is just not gospel-centered. And that maybe the, the hooks of a racist, you know, mother, father, grandmother, friends, whatever it is, has, has kind of latched onto your heart. And if the Lord is speaking to you in that area, I want to just encourage you right now to to just repent of that sin and that attitude and those thoughts. Repent, turn from that, confess that to him. Ask the spirit of God to flood your spirit and heart with the truth of the gospel, to open your heart to the fact that the gospel and the church is made up of all different races and people and this this is a, a gospel issue. Maybe for you, the challenge was not that necessarily you would call yourself a racist, but you don't have any African-American friends or Latino friends or Asian friends. And, and maybe the, the challenge for you is to, man, I need to be intentional about getting those, those people in my life that I would be able to have conversations with Maybe for you, you've, you've never invited an African-American family over to your house for dinner. You've never encouraged your son or daughter to have relationships with people who are different. And so not necessarily you've done anything like terribly, like intentionally bad, but because you're not doing anything intentionally good, you're just kind of turning a blind eye to the issue that we see in America. And I do believe that because this is a gospel issue, nothing will change until God's people rise up and start building bridges and having dialogue and having conversation. Because as those relationships build, then and only then do the, does, does that love that the scripture talks about get expressed. Jesus said to love your neighbor. Father, we pray today that you would draw us one step closer to racial reconciliation in our country and in our personal lives. Lord, we confess any racial tendencies or attitudes that we might have and that we've expressed, maybe even social, through social media or to others, or maybe we just even had thoughts. Lord, we confess that, we repent of that. We ask for the Spirit of God to sanctify us today and to change us. And God, we also pray that you would move us into a direction of being intentional about building relationships with people who are not like us. And so, Father, we're asking that you would use this church to, to build those relationships and cross those barriers in hopes, God, that you will multiply our obedience and our example so that others would see it and it would catch fire and that would continue to grow and we would see change in our communities and in our culture here in America. 
Father, help us to be mature followers of Christ. Help us to think biblically and to think gospel-centered reactions when things happen around us. And so we're asking you to equip us today and draw us closer to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.